Howdy. Welcome to Undersampled Radio, the show where we talk science, tech, oil, business, politics, and more. Hi, I'm Matt. And I'm Graham. Together, we're the hosts of this circus. To follow the conversation, make suggestions, or rant and rave, please visit the forum Software Underground at swung.rocks. Hey, everybody. Welcome to uh, welcome to Undersampled Radio. This is episode number 43. 43, yeah, catching up catching up to my we've gone past Graham's age a long time ago catching up to my age <laughs> it's um yeah it's going to be a good one uh, today we've got Flynn oh I didn't ask you how to pronounce your surname Zager Zager you did a perfect first time sweet so Flynn Zager's with us this week and of course Graham Gansel in uh, New Orleans Louisiana Hello. Hello. what's up you know you... It's, all, it's all happening now and I think Flynn you're in you're in New Orleans as well right yeah yeah, right. Part of the city. Okay, probably just a few blocks away from Graham. Maybe you can. Yeah, that's, that's enough space, I think. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Low blow, man. Where actually? Where is your office, Flynn? I don't even know. We're on a magazine in St. Andrew, so it's like right in the shopping district. Beautiful nice. building that has yeah, it's historic and has no doors that lock. So it's useful. <laughs> it's an, is that why all your walls are bare? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. If someone comes in in the background while we're talking, we'll let you know. Thank you. <laughs> um, so Flynn and I, this we're going with a soft intro today. We're, we're talking you in here, Flynn. Uh, Flynn and I met last year at a at a conference here in town called, or a sort of conference here in town called Bar Camp NOLA. It was pretty awesome. And I still don't really even understand what the concept was, but it was cool. I think Flynn's talk was about was about playing Monop playing uh, Monopoly, probably right? Yeah, it's probably how to win Monopoly. It's something I care deeply about. That's why no yeah. one plays Monopoly with me anymore. <laughs> it was a, okay. So it was I, as I understood it, it was a tech unconference where the participants show up with talks, and everybody just kind of talks about whatever they want and. The first thing I heard was Flynn talking about Monopoly, and I'm like, "Oh, this is weird," <laughs> but awesome. It, it was a great day. Met a ton of people, so I, I really enjoyed it, and I'm, I'll definitely be back this year. Is there another one? Yeah, I think it happens every year. It's one of those things that doesn't sound like it should work, but it, it's been working. I think last year was the eighth or ninth year, so one more. We have, we have a uh, an entrepreneurial conferencey thing here in New Orleans every year called. New Orleans Entrepreneur Week, NOE. And uh, it started as an unconference. It started with like 12 people in a room at the IP building, which is also in magazine. And it was what, like eight or nine years ago, maybe seven years ago. And uh, it's developed into this gigantic thing where it's got to be 15,000 people a year coming over there, wow. pitch contests, restaurants rented. It's really, it's a huge deal. Um, and it's, in some ways, it's kind of lost its charm because it isn't that like disorganized madness. <laughs> what do you think, Flynn? Do you go to um, Noe every year? Yeah, I've been, I think, the past three years, and I agree. It, well, I don't think it's lost its charm. I think it's just it's trying to adapt to its newfound scale. Um, but it's definitely, I can see, growing pain. But it's good. It's kind of interesting, and they get to bring in a lot bigger speakers because of what it's grown to. Very hmm. diplomatic. <laughs> <laughs> I told them outlook. Where's where <laughs> that conference? Um, that's that? March. Oh. Oh, okay. So that one's passed. 
we're just past. Um, yeah, I've so I've been at every one of them, and unfortunately, I was only able to make it. We had a lot of things going on this year, and so uh, I was only able to make a token appearance this year. But I'm back, baby. Next year, I'll be in full swing. Um, so two things, if you're watching this show from New Orleans, two things to check out next year. I mean this year, which is Noe and Barcamp. So Matt, I'm looking at our show notes here and I'm realizing we have a riddle me this from last week. Huh, who'd have thought? <laughs> that you disliked greatly because it was not very geologic, geosciencey. You remember you remember your criticism of this uh, live on it your your criticism of me live to the world to the whole world. <laughs> well, you know, it's just a fine line, isn't there, between a, a geological puzzle and stupid and, sort of, <laughs> and a puzzle that's been blatantly shoehorned into a <laughs> faux geological example for the purposes of making it relevant. Indeed. And as such, I have prepared a cringe-inducingly bad one for this week. <laughs> okay. Just for you, man. Okay. Okay, so... Um, way to take it. I, and I approve of that. Like, how, just how transparent and crass can the shoehorning be? It's yeah. A, it's a puzzle in itself. Well, I mean, I think... <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. Okay, so let me get to, to last week's puzzle. So, uh, Flynn, we're going to give the question and the answer, and I'll give you three seconds to think about the answer and answer it live to the okay. world. Okay, here we go. Here's the question. You've got a pile of rock samples. Forty. There's 50 samples in total. 49 of them are all bite. One of them is anorthite. It's a good thing you don't know anything about rocks because as yeah, Matt that's... mentions, who cares? It doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> the only difference, the only discernible difference by the human eye of um, the two different types of samples is their density. So one of the 50 samples weighs slightly more than the other 49 samples. So all we are giving you is a balanced scale, which is one of those little things you see in legal proceedings that have the two little hangy baskets on the bar thingy. Have what one order. That's it. That's it. And um, the question simply is, what's the least number of weighings you'd need in order to identify the heavier sample? I have um, two hints. Do you want them? Or are you just going to nail it? I want to say, well, I don't, I've seen this before. It's not dividing in half every time. There's a faster way. I want to say six. Wow. That is, is right? very close. close. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, no, no, you're on the right track. You're so, okay, so the idea is. You divide um, it in thirds, right? Yeah, so I gave two hints. Let me, let me restate okay. the two hints. One, it, the first hint was that it's less than 50. <laughs> Obviously, if you wait 50 times, you can tell. Um, okay, so you've got that. And hint number two, which was more important, is it's less than five. And the, the reason I gave that hint is because, as you mentioned, it is not a binary search algorithm which solves this in the optimal number of steps. So if you were to split the samples, and by way of example, if you were to split the samples in half every time, you would end up with five weighings being the minimum number. And that would go like this. If you had, a, you had the pile of 50, 
you do 25 and 25, you, you end up with, um, you, you take the heavier pile, you end up with tw uh, piles of 12, 12, and one. So if the, the 12 and the 12 are, you know, the worst case scenario again, if the 12 and the 12 are not equal, then you weigh the 12 versus the 12. And then you split that pile into six and six, weigh them, split that pile into three and three, weigh them, and split that pile into one, one, and one. So that's five weighings, which is wrong. So as Flynn says, you can do it in less than that. And the answer, dearies, my fans and listeners, is four weighings. It takes four weighings. And here, so it's a, it's a trinary search algorithm. And it goes like this. You had 50 samples, split them into piles of 17, 17, and 16. And in the worst case scenario, the 17 and 17 piles wouldn't be equal. Okay? So you weigh the 17 versus 17. So that's first weighing. Then you split that heavier thing into piles of 6, 6, and 5. Again, worst case scenario, the 6 and the 6. You have the six and the six. So you weigh the six versus the six. That's two. Third, you have to split that into three and three. You weigh those. That's the third weighing. And then you're left with piles of one, one, and one. So you weigh two of them, and you know which one is the, uh, what did I say? Anorthite. <laughs> da, 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 da. Very geological. <laughs> So our winner this week will get a free trip to Cuba, courtesy of Matt Hall's checking account. Contact what is, him. Move, is that you taking, just helping yourself? Yeah, sorry, man. Unbelievable. I mean, the money had to come from somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, we've had the soft intro, but uh, Flynn owns a company, start, founded and owns a company called Online Optimism. There's a link in the show notes to their website, and you should go check it out because they do – well, I'm going to let him tell you what they do. What do you do? We do a digital marketing and public relations. So essentially, any time a business organization is doing anything online, we help them do it a little better, hopefully. And does it work? <laughs> for the most part. Um, I'm paying the rent for this room, so as long as no one comes in and takes the whiteboard off, uh, yeah, it's working for at least another hour. Uh, it seems to be going well. We have um, – nine people in our office and it started off with just me and a laptop so it's been going well for at least four and a half years excellent man so what do you it seems like there's a lot of these types of companies <laughs> and it seems like you are doing better than they are <laughs> uh, we're doing we're doing all right i don't want to say we're doing the best but we're surviving i think it's um everyone when you meet them does internet marketing nowadays it kind of almost has a bit of a stigma against it um, but I think we've always tried to be honest with our clients, which at the end of the day, any business you're dealing with, um, anyone could probably duplicate your product. Um, much bigger companies with much bigger resources can. So the same as anyone could do our advertising, really. Like you said, there's thousands of companies. Um, at the end of the day, they're choosing us for trust and reputation um, and ability to kind of work creatively with the resources they have and, and hit their goals. It's transparency and trust, like anything else, I think. Cool. What size clients do you like to work with the most? Um, medium size. So I say pretty much between 
five and 100 employees is what we kind of hit. We usually work together with marketing managers, but I love working with startups, mom and pop. I think when you work with bigger companies, you're kind of hitting goals that their bosses are giving the marketing managers. When you work with a mom and pop shop where they are staring at you being like, you better do well, because <laughs> yeah. else my business isn't going to be here. Um, I like that kind of pressure. I thrive on that kind of pressure. So I, we still love working with those businesses, even though we've sometimes outgrown their budgets nowadays. Huh. Cool. Um, what, what kind of verticals do you work in typically? Do, do you, I suppose you wouldn't limit it, but what's well, most popular? Um, we work for a couple different hotels, a couple different apartment complexes. Um, we've worked for health centers, we've worked for lawyers, we've worked for doctors. Um, typically high margin items are usually our best way of making a lot of money on one sale because um, you're making a lot of money there. Um, we have worked in everything and we tend to not work with multiple in clients in the same industry because you never want to be doing something with like SEO or SEM. We're trying to get someone to number one on Google and you have them be number two and they're like, well, who's this number one? You're like, oh, this other guy who's giving me slightly more money than you. Um, so we tend to only take one client per industry, which allows us to spread ourselves out across a bunch of verticals. Hmm. Cool. Yeah, right. No, I never, never really thought about that kind of conflict before. I mean, that must come up a lot, I guess, in... Uh... In all advertising, really, you're trying to beat yeah. the competition. You know, it's <laughs> yeah. a bit awkward. And it gives you a good reason to be friends with the other agencies because yeah. they'll encounter that too. And so it's always nice to pass work around among people you trust. Yeah, right. How how, how do you sort of develop that side of the network in um, in your community? Are there lots of events going on? Do you organize anything? Uh, we've actually tried, we're doing an event as a, so we're a Google partner agency. So a lot of those events are about helping businesses get online. We're doing one on Thursday, but they have, and Google just held one last week. Um, essentially it's trying to get yourselves out there. Uh, one of the first things we did, it was just me as a company. Uh, I reached out to every business organization and said, Hey, your members need online marketing help. We'll give it to you for free. And like, we've always installed Google analytics for free for any New Orleans business. So. In my mind, if you are helpful to people when their company grows, they'll be they'll come back to you for more paid services and things like that. Yeah, right. That's awesome. Yeah, it amazes me actually how many businesses, still, especially like locally in rural places uh, like where I live, um, but even in cities, I notice how um, many businesses still haven't really sorted out their Google lo business location yeah. stuff. Blows me away. Yeah, it's like something like thirty or forty percent of businesses don't have a website. And, oh, I, and, and I, yeah, that's the way it sounds. And I know that it's like, as a business owner, I have a thousand things to think about. And if you're doing a restaurant or something like that, or government, like you're con. So I understand, but it really just takes a couple hours to get that set up and just mm -hmm. then you don't have to. Um, so it's kind of crazy that businesses don't, but it's, it's just another thing that they have to think about. Yeah. I think that most of our listeners are fairly digitally minded or at least sort of technically interested in STEMI stuff, and so yeah. a lot of us have um, have websites for various things. Uh, but if you don't, and you're listening to this program, turn it off, man. <laughs> Go start a website because you need one. That's what everybody does. That's yeah. how you find information these days. Yeah, it's it's um, there is a, a funny um, oh. just something that strikes me about. You know the sort of thing that um, a lot of people like us do. They're, they're offering professional services, right? We often don't necessarily have a kind of brick and mortar location. Um, but re I really like the little card that shows up in Google when you have like a location-based thing, and it's really, really good on mobile. And it's almost like it's not exactly a website, but it's a free web presence. 
and um, uh, but there isn't anything is there for so an equivalent, if you like, to that location um, thing. I can't remember what it's called uh, in Google Business. It's kind of like yeah, people who don't have a, a location. Is there anything similar card yeah. like? So that appears. So if you go to, I'll plug, I'll plug their website, Google, gybo.com uh, stands for Get Your Business Out. You can make a Google My Business page, and you don't need a like, you don't need to have service or a location for it. You could just say, Hey, I'm in New Orleans, like the general area. My okay. service business, is, and I totally understand. When it started, I put my home address because that was where I registered the LLC. And yeah. month one, because our marketing was great, someone called us and we're like, Hey. I'm coming to Chippewa with like your office. I'm like, no, 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 don't do that. Um, I'll see you at a coffee shop that was more convenient. Um, so yeah, you don't don't make the same mistake I did. You can check off. It's one of the boxes when you go through the settings. Like, do I want to meet people at my business? Totally understandable if you don't. Um, but like you said, that box is important. Uh, people look up your business when you're just starting. So take a couple minutes to, to do that. Yeah, totally. No, and I'll go, I'll just to second what what Graham said, like. Um, it's so easy now to have a, even if it's just a single page or just something that kind of says who you are, where you are, something to put on your business card. It's um, it, it's so easy to set up. There's so many yeah. options. Yeah. Um, so here's a question for the marketing master. Uh, <laughs> is it? <laughs> I always meet people in coffee shops. I like it. I like to get out of my office and like chat with people. Uh, is that totally unprofessional? I've always I, we prefer to give it to the client. Um, I mean, we did it for two, three years, and I would even say the bigger, what's kind of interesting is now that we have a nice enough office, I know this doesn't look nice, but you're on a very nice table right now, and there's plants around me, uh, it just, if I flip it around, the light, the sun gets in the way. Um, but now that we have a nicer room, we never really meet clients here, because our bigger clients have offices of their own, that's right. more convenient to meet at. So it's kind of ironic how once you grow enough to that point, you don't really need the fancy stuff. Um, <laughs> I don't think coffee is shops are that bad. I just keep my to try to get that ten minutes early so you can like get a nice table far away from people and buy them coffee. Um, and honestly, at this point, so many people are like freelancers and stuff that I feel like smaller businesses are used to that kind of setup. Hmm. But we also always offer to meet people wherever it's convenient for them. So I've met at people's homes before. It's it's hmm. it's not out of the ordinary nowadays. Hmm. Gotcha. Okay, I don't feel too bad. I have this. <laughs> I, so if you've never watched the show on YouTube and you just listen to this podcast, you probably don't know this. I have a, I hit, my office is way too big for me. It's like <laughs> mostly just open space. It's uh, it's ridiculous. But so I don't know. It's nice, but I just I don't know. I'm in here all the time and I want to get out. Uh, the one thing that I do with all this space is I've set up a VR system where you can walk around awesome. the room and it's pretty awesome. So <laughs> I had an idea while Matt was talking about um, online business cards. That would be fun and um, potentially <clears throat> not exciting for Matt. Maybe a little stressful. Matt, why don't you tell everyone, <laughs> Matt? Why do you tell everyone uh, what your marketing plan? Are you blushing already? Yeah. Why don't you tell everyone what Agile Scientific's marketing plan is, and then I will tell them what it looks like from the outside. <laughs> well, I want you to go first. Um, yeah, I mean, right from the start, my my conviction was that um, I mean, it's so it's so trite now to talk about authenticity and all this kind of thing. But I mean, my perception was that all the marketing that was out there in our space was, 
you know filtered through sort of corporate um messaging and, and i was sort of sick of reading that kind of thing and um being on the receiving end of it you know when i worked in a corporate environment being marketed to by vendors and service providers and so on and um i was just desperate to start a blog and talk to people kind of on that level and you know like it can maybe uh verge into i would hopefully not spamminess but having your voice delivered to people's inboxes um with useful and relevant and or interesting information um regularly that they can actually do something with like, i couldn't wait to do that it's, you know it's this sort of fundamentally just a desire to help people so almost all of our marketing if that's what you want to call it is directed at helping people so the events that we run the publishing uh stuff that we do the blog even twitter is all aimed at being useful or and or interesting that's my marketing strategy <laughs> that sounds good what, what's the what's the other part of the story is my question <laughs> no that that nails it I, I think. Well, well, but what are you getting at, Flynn? Do you mean what's the dollar side of the story? Oh no, 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 not at all. I was wondering what. Well, oh, what, 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 what does that actually look like? Yeah. Yeah. No, it looks good. I like it. And in fact, the one thing that I would add to that, and this is something that I try to emulate, is in a different way, is that Matt has a personal brand that's associated with the business. So, like, he he'll go out and do talks at conferences and go meet with random sciencey people and that pushes the company whether you want it to or not man well i'm glad, <laughs> I'm glad you asked that question actually because i wanted to ask flynn about the there was this sort of personal brand boom i don't know 10 yeah. years ago or something and um and I guess I wanted to ask, like, is that still a thing? Do you ever advise clients to sort of develop their personal brand rather than a separate corporate one? Um, and does it work? That's it. Yeah. <laughs> what a fluent question. But you, you know what I'm getting at? Like, um, was it a fad? And if it wasn't just a fad, is it still a good thing to do? I, I, yeah, I don't think it is a fad. I think a lot of what you're saying is actually what we like hearing from business owners and things like that. So you're not talking about quick wins, just to cover what you mentioned previously, your strategy. Long term, and we don't hear that a lot because a lot of people, we talk to business owners and things like that, they're saying, okay, how am I going to make increase my profits next month? And there's a lot of ways to do that that don't work long term. Um, to talk about just kind of your strategy, it all sounds great because that's what we kind of imagine and what a lot of people moving into is called content marketing which is exactly what you described. Think of your audience, and then what will they find interesting or useful? Does that have to involve your business? Maybe not. Um, but if you give them a reason to keep coming back to your channels or trusting your channels, they're going to be much more ready for you to pitch, which is why, same thing, that still works with a personal brand. Um, if, you, if you as a person are delivering trusted content, trusted ideas, um, that's, that's what you should be doing. In my mind, it will pay off long term. I think you have to keep in mind though, when you're doing this stuff, this isn't going to be an easy win. This isn't going to be something that might, might not show up in this year's books, hmm. but it will long term. That's what we sell as trust. And that's what any business sells. 
if, if people see what you're doing online and they can look back and go, okay, this person's been delivering useful information to the industry for, a, for five years, why wouldn't they trust you? Um, so I think personal brand is still great. I think the tough part is a lot of businesses don't invest in that, have that for both their executive team and their employees of trying to deliver that, that trust and making their employees into more leadership and kind of giving them those opportunities is where I see a lot of businesses fail. But I, I, I think if you do it well, it's the way to go. Yeah, I, t I totally agree. I, I, I feel like, I feel like a lot of, um, in fact, I've experienced this a little bit, I think. I hope I'm not, this isn't too much hyperbole, but I mean, uh, where you're, you know, in a big company or whatever is trying to sell its services and the conversation maybe isn't explicitly this, but it's a little bit like, how can we make people think we're more awesome? <laughs> and, and my answer is, well, you could just try being more awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's because that'll work. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, so I, I really like what you're saying, but for me, I guess I have a little bit of a hard time reconciling what, what Graham describes as a personal brand um, with my dislike of the cult of celebrity <laughs> and the expert, because I'm I, I react against those things, and I, I think those are actually dangerous ideas um, that, that 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 don't help. So um, I try to keep my brand sort of around agile, my company, and not around me. But but I recognise too that I guess the conflict is it's easier to relate to a person. Right. Yeah. I mean, it, it just is. So that's why I've never been like agile on Twitter. I'm, you know, I'm me. And um, uh, so I, I guess I feel some tension there and I'm never quite sure like which side to where, like sort of steer towards. I guess I'm just always adjusting course slightly. Yeah. And I think it's the tough, the tricky part is figuring out where you fit into that. I mean, I have a weirder like it's super weird for me because we do PR for ourselves. So I am like literally paying an employee to tell people how awesome I am, which is, <laughs> is like, that's uh, but it, it's what you need to do. And I think, because in the end of the day, yeah, I, every like business owner feels very involved in the company. feel like that is their company. And I even, when I look at online optimism, I see a lot of my strengths and a lot of my weaknesses in the brand. Um, hmm. I very much, we encounter that every day. Hmm. Um, but in the end of the day, I think as your team grows and as you add on more people, it starts to get the strengths and weaknesses of them too. So eventually, once it grows, figuring out where you fall in and making that more your personal brand um, is kind of how how you can help separate yourself from Agile. Um, figuring out what Agile strengths is and what your personal strengths are and how those differentiate will help you sell both of their advantages to different people and tell people you're awesome. That works too. <laughs> So the real question is, how do you convince people you're awesome if you're not? <laughs> uh, don't answer. That's what you <laughs> Don't answer. It's a trick question. No, no, no. I, I actually, fake it till you make it is like you'll always hear it, but it's true. I was talking earlier about how I reach out to business organizations to give talks um, when I just started. I, when I was like four or five month old, something, no employees, no real clients. I gave a talk on how to use online marketing tools. Um, hour long presentation. At the end of it, um, I kind of sat down and I talked to a few people, but I met a woman who three years later remembered this presentation. She was like, hey, I wish I wish I like talked to you. Like it was such a great presentation, but you looked way too big. Like I didn't want to waste your time. And I was like, I was literally, I, I would have worked for food. I would have worked for a testimonial. Like there was anything. 
Um, That's funny. You probably have a good story that you could tell to people. You just have to piece it together. Yeah. Awesome. And now that you've made it, you're giving talks about Monopoly. <laughs> yeah. Not like, you know, I'm already here. I'll do what I want. <laughs> but ironically, never get to play Monopoly anymore. <laughs> so so how do you, how do you um, find and retain good people to work at Online Optimism? Um, it's it's tough. It's very hard, and our team's very young. Um, our, so our goal is kind of get the best talent we can when they graduate college, um, and train them from that. Um, and we, at least now, it's a little easier now because we can afford to pay people salaries, which is great. It was a lot harder when you're a startup. Um, but I think what we try to stress is that we're willing to invest in our staff, whether that means training or development or providing them with opportunities that no other company can do. We legitimately, I feel. Um, can say that we're the best opportunity to grow. Um, we'll provide you with any tools you need, any business organizations. Um, we provide commissions to any clients if they help bring them in. Um, and we've always kind of, in my opinion, we've always had, which no one really does, a no non-compete. Um, I always tell my staff when we're hiring them, if you ever feel that you that this isn't the best opportunity for you, why are you here? Um, bigger companies do that. Uh, like I think Amazon specifically, after they hire you, will give you $5,000 if you want to quit in the first couple months. Um, wow. Yeah, because in their opinion, if you're at that point undecisive, they don't want to waste your time and the company's time for years as you're not sure this is the right fit. Uh, I'm not offering $5,000. I, I would I would wave and buy you a beer if you decide to leave that early. Um, and our goal then is to make sure that we catch anything like that in the hiring process. But I think providing, especially a younger staff, the, the opportunity and the investment in them will allow you to pull on those people that are ambitious and that want to help your company grow. That's interesting. I mean, you hear all the time that um, small companies offering incentives for training and development lose, they have trouble retaining employees, right? Because they yeah. step as on that stone and then step off that stone. Um, yeah, I, I guess to, to that point and the one that the example that Flynn just mentioned, giving people retention bonuses just sounds like a horrible idea, like a really fantastic yeah. way to keep people who don't want to be there around. It's so, it's so sort of, uh, seems intuitively sound, but the effect is horrible. Yeah. I, I think it's interesting in that, and I, I guess a lot of, even I realize like a lot of this is on like confirmation bias. Like even me, like I think this is working, but a lot of that comes from the fact that our company is growing. If our company wasn't growing, I didn't have money coming in, I can't do a lot of the stuff that we do. And you're not going to hear from anyone whose company who tries this and then it doesn't work. Um, so I think at the end of the day, you have to look at your staff and look at who you're trying to hire and talk to them about what benefits they're looking for. I think a, a lot of it is people not communicating. I mean, when was the last time you asked your staff, hey, what, what do you want to see our company do in the next year, three years, five years? What benefits are you looking for? Where do you see us going? A lack of communication is a major problem I, I deal with every day, and I think a lot of businesses do. All right. That's true of life, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> so we, Matt and I were talking about this the other day, how uh, you're losing something as a person and as an employee if your passion resides outside your primary gig. And that doesn't necessarily have to be an actual job, right? So. Um, <laughs> We the specific uh, example we mentioned is if you're if you're getting paid three hundred k a year to go into Amazon and you hate it uh, and every every night you go home to your workshop and 
build chairs. <laughs> you look forward to chairs more and more and more and more and more while you're at the office, and, and it's a sort of self-perpetuating cycle. Um, so congratulations to you, man. You're getting it right. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, and sometimes, and, and that's like we always, because we, we deal with so many millennial stuff, they're like, find a passion. Work shouldn't be work. And I, I don't know if I believe that, honestly. I think I, I would love to find people who want to spend 40 hours a day doing social media. But I don't know if that's realistic. And I just felt like, look, our goal is to make work as enjoyable as we can. It's, it's never going to be as fun as golfing or climbing rocks or figuring out the answers to riddles for 40 hours a week. So what, our job should be is to make it as hospitable. Make it so you're not loathing coming to work. Enjoy coming to work. You're growing as a person. Um, and if we could incorporate that passion, great. But if not, we don't want to get in the way of your passion. We want to support it while you support our company. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to yeah, to me, uh, yeah, it feels a bit um, abrupt to just sort of say, yeah, if you're not living and breathing marketing or geophysics or whatever it is. <laughs> um, but 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 to me, there is a um, you know, if if you're when you're outside of the workplace. If you're not occasionally at least seeking out or getting sucked into or, or find what most people will call, you know, work type problems or uh, whether it's reading or hacking around with software or writing or, or whatever. Um, if you're not engaged somehow in that stuff outside of work, I feel like you just then it is really just work and and there may be ways to be more engaged about stuff. I mean, I, you know, it, it's that to me, that feels like a very one way kind of transaction. Like literally, I, I'm only coming to work because you're paying me. And um, and, I can't, and, I, and I feel like, you know, obviously, if you work in a supermarket, then that's how it's going to be um, much of the time. But if you're a professional, there's something about the pursuit of excellence sort of i don't want to say above all but high up your list of priorities that's that is what being a professional is essentially is that pursuit of excellence and um never really being satisfied with your level of uh performance if you like achievement so which is why we'll never be professionals here at our <laughs> radio which is why... <laughs> yeah but so but hobbies can be massively productive and rewarding and enriching and so on too. It's not to sort of dismiss all of that, but yeah, it's just like, what do you want to be excellent at? Like that's and, your profession. And that's why a lot of big companies have things like half days or Google's famous 20% right. time, which led to Gmail, led to a lot of their solutions, but now they don't do that anymore. It's hard to scale that kind of innovation. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of companies are trying things, but it's, it's not a problem that we've solved perfectly. Do you guys do um, do you do any sort of web development, or is it mostly on this kind of front end and marketing side? We 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 do just like word. We don't do a lot of that, um, but like we we don't do like half days or anything. It's something that we've thought about it, but in the end of the day, I'm a this is one of my bad business owner moments. I'm like, we don't have time for that. <laughs> I have clients, I must do reports, um, and I know, yeah, long term, it build a better team, it build a better community. But I'm I'm staring at numbers, so this that's one of the things I need to work on is giving my employees time to do those kinds of things. So why then did online optimism win 
one of the best places to work <laughs> in New Orleans in 2016. Because we're doing a better job than the rest of them. Okay. Yeah, pretty <laughs> awesome. Um, yeah, no, we, 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 I think a lot of that comes down to, um, we do trade on places a lot of growth. We, we have some cool benefits. I mean, you have the usual standard marketing agency, beer in the office, dog friendly, casual dress code. All that comes, I think if you have a marketing agency, like the first thing you buy <laughs> is like a ping pong table and a keg of beer. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> um, I think a lot of that also comes down to, you know, providing like days off for Mardi Gras, incorporating ourselves into the community. Um, we've also always, you know, food, snacks. We get lunch as a team every Friday. Um, so it's kind of a nice, especially in New Orleans, uh, food solves most of my culture problems, for better or worse. Um, so we've always done that. Since we were much smaller, um, it's actually kind of hard to fit nine people around a lunch table. We should probably start calling restaurants at this point, both just like walking in. Um, and I think we, we always do stand out. Um, the oldest member of my team is 27 years old. Uh, so I think wow. that we, we tend to get recognized for uh, people coming like, hey, which agency brought all of their interns? We're like, no, that's it. <laughs> this, is, this is the whole company. Um, we're young. Uh, so I think that we kind of stand out. And we, for better or worse, we pay people well for our industry in New Orleans. We provide all the benefits that kind of much larger, much older companies would have. Um, and we do it all, and we're, we're growing. And we, you know, we work for local universities. We work for a lot of well-known brands now. So I think the, uh, no other real agency has the opportunity um, for young people to you know, become a director at a big agency down the line. If you join a 20, 30-year-old company, you're not going to get there. You're going to be under people with have experience as long as you've been alive. Um, but with us, you know, we, if we successfully continue to grow every employee, outside this conference room should have two or three employees under them working for them. And I have that our digital ads director kind of who runs the office when I'm locked in rooms or Alex came to us as a writer, but we invested in her and gave her that opportunity and that path to grow. Um, so I think I really believing in investing in new employees has, has helped us immensely over the past couple of years. Hmm. Hmm, that's, that's awesome. It's uh, it strikes me that there's been some, um, one of the things about social media is that, all your case studies are, are in the open. They're all public. You know, unlike <laughs> if you work in the sort of oil and gas industry, the case studies are all top secret. Um, so, I mean, you get to see like awesome social media stuff, a total utter disaster, <laughs> which have been a few recently. Like it must be kind of interesting <laughs> learning from all that stuff together. Yeah, that's what I love about internet marketing is Social media, even SEO, which search engine optimization, like getting you higher on Google, all of that is pretty much run by algorithms that we have tools to see. Um, mm -hmm. So at the end of the day, it's just like Monopoly. This is just a game. <laughs> uh, honestly, it is. At the end of the day, our score is the front page of Google or engagement. It's, our goal is just to have a better strategy, be a better team against our competition. Um, that, that's why I, I'm very, I really love board games. like your presentations on them. Um, but it's really just a game, um, and that, that's we're just trying to help our clients win. Yeah, that's cool. I wonder if there are any SEO board games. I bet there is. <laughs> there was a card game a while ago. It wasn't. It wasn't balanced properly. Um, it was a cool idea. It's a content marketing idea again, done by an agency, someone that provides SEO tools. Does that deliver to the bottom line? No. But to get agencies like us to click on it and sign up for their newsletter, yes, it did. That was a good idea. <laughs> Excellent. Is there, so is there an online optimism jazz fest uh, showing this year? 
Uh, I wish. That actually that is a benefit that another agency in town does, and we don't. I was like, uh, do you guys want to go, or do you guys want to like like nicer lunches or things like that? <laughs> um, that, but that is an employee benefit, and it, I keep obsessive track of every other agency's benefits. So every time one of them, like we notice one of them, because some of them do like crawfish boils, or they do um the ones that are on parade routes during Mardi Gras, of course, do parade showings. Um, crawfest did not crawfish. Sorry, crawfest is that too lame? Um, jazz fest. Did, did not take the cake this year, but maybe in the future. Maybe. We'll see. Well, <laughs> it's a good thing you skipped Sunday because the weather was terrible. <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm looking forward to next weekend's worth. So, <laughs> um, I actually have no idea. I just show up there. But by the way, for people who don't know what Jazz Fest is, it's this gigantic seven day long music festival in New Orleans. Uh, and it's awesome. It is a. So, I was going to say that I actually usually don't really pay too much attention to who's playing because I just go and and go listen to the bands that I've never heard before. And it's also an art festival, so it's lovely to go see what everyone's working on. Um, so we ask everyone, what are you reading at the moment? <laughs> so I am actually waiting for uh, Stephen King's It to come in. Oh, it? Like, yeah. Oh yeah, yes. probably, I put IT in caps so that my dad made sense. Um, yeah, uh, I don't know. I, I saw the trailer and I've been reading to like read Stephen King, but it's so intimidating to try to get into that library of like, because it's like, oh, all of his books connect, so now I have to read 80 of them. Um, <laughs> but I, I think I want to get into that before the movie comes out. That's my goal. Yeah, I uh, it scared the hell out of me when I was a kid. I read <laughs> it, and I don't think I could sleep for like two months after that. <laughs> That's perfect, and I'll work a lot if I can't sleep. That's well, also, you're not a child, so maybe that <laughs> Matt, what are you working on right now? Oh, I'm, st I'm, still, <laughs> I'm still on the Ghost in the Shell. Um, and, and with my son, uh, the Prisoner of Azkaban. So I'm, I guess I'm a pretty slow reader. No, no, uh, you're a voracious reader. It freaks me out. I don't know how you finish all these books so quickly. Well, yeah, um, we've also got another um, another tutorial on the go right now. So no, it's it's really good. It's another one from Alessandro Del Amato, uh, Del Mont. Yeah, anyway, Del, Del Amato, and he's um, he's written about rock physics this time but it, he, he he kind of wrote so much that it's quite a big editing job to kind of get a manuscript to the size it needs to be for these tutorials so, and we, and we're trying to finish the uh next 52 things book still um so i feel like all i do right now is like Sorry. read and edit and, um, i'll get my i'll get my chapter in soon enough seriously, seriously. Uh, that's for the, that's i'm working on like, it after this call i guarantee you i'm going to work on it okay awesome um so are you ready for the new Riddle Me This? Can I, can I be ready? <laughs> no, it's really? terrible. Okay. Um, have I re did you read it yet? I left some notes in there for you about how no, much you're reading it. No, it okay. Didn't. So this is a brand new, okay. <laughs> okay, why don't you tell our audience what Stibnite is? Well, it's a very beautiful uh, bladed mineral, antimony sulfide. We saw a very nice piece of it last, uh, last week in the Natural History Museum, American Natural History Museum. No, the American Museum of Natural History. That's it. Um, so yeah, what, what what are you gonna do with stibnite? Well, what what else, what's the most uh, apparent thing about stibnite? Bladed. Well, it's, it's habit, yeah. It's say. long and it's straight and it's narrow. Right. <laughs> okay. 
We need these properties. Because it doesn't <laughs> we're gonna take a bunch of samples of stibnite, they're all the same size, long, straight, sticky looking things. And um, we're going to um, write an equation out. Okay. <laughs> Put yourself on mute. You're not gonna be able to <laughs> We're gonna write an equation out in Roman numerals. <laughs> okay, so um, the equation <clears throat> is yep. 23 divided by 7 equals 2, which is obviously incorrect. So in Roman numerals, it would look like this. X, X, I, I. That's 23. That's the numerator. Another I in there, but yeah. And Oh, yeah, you're right. And in the denominator, we have V, I, I. Got it? Yeah. Seven. And the other side of the equation is equals I, I, which is mm -hmm. 2. So, if you can only move one piece of stibnite, how do you make the equation correct? I feel like you could. Matt, you, you can't answer this. the question. I feel like you could do this puzzle with matchsticks or <laughs> or telephone poles if you had a really big area to work on. Okay, very good. But it's it's uh, you know, it's a geology show, man. Yeah, no, I love it. I love good. it. It's my yes. favorite one. <laughs> so get the answer next week, and uh, I'll offer you a trip to, um, I don't know, what's good, the Azores, if you get it right on that checking account. <laughs> um, Flynn, thank you for joining us on the show today. It was a really interesting talk and one that we don't have an opportunity, to, that subject we don't have the opportunity to focus on a lot. So thanks. Well, thanks for having me. It was a great time. Yeah, thank you very much. Oh, wait, I forgot to, damn it, I forgot to prepare my, so Flynn, I've been doing this thing where I like ask Matt some question that puts him off balance and then tell him to sign us off. Which is very uh, easy to do. And <laughs> I forgot to prepare a question. So as we were talking about uh, undersampled re radios mediocrity today, maybe, we'll, maybe I'll start an, a sign off tagline like, uh, stay mediocre. <laughs> <laughs>